We are on Chagiga, the very bottom of Yedal Ramabez of 14b4, and we are going to continue shortly on to Tezvav Amanala 15a1 in the Art Scroll Gemara. So, just to review, we just mentioned the four people that entered into the Pardes, entered into this orchard, this uh, spiritual level of understanding, of different levels of understanding of Hashem. And those four people were Ben Azai, Ben Zoma, Acher, who we are going to focus on for uh, extensively this week, and Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva is the fourth one. Each of them had a different reaction when they came out of the Pardis, out of this orchard. <coughs> the Gemara then asked a question with regards to Ben Zoma, which is where we left off with in the last recording. They asked about Ben Zoma, about whether you could neuter a dog, and that was discussed. And now they have a second question to Benzoma. And we're, we're mentioning this because we mentioned Benzoma, and Benzoma was one of the four people that went into this orchard. So they have a second question for Benzoma. This is really a, a tangent, but it's a second question to Benzoma, which leads to a few fascinating discussions, halachic discussions. There's different ways to read this Gemara. So we're first going to present one way, and then we will present another way, in terms of how to read this Gemara, there are two different versions, two different texts about what exactly this Gemara is trying to get at. So the Gemara says, Shalu ben Zoma, they asked ben Zoma, Besula she'ibra mahu l'kohen gadol. The first way of understanding it, which is our girsa, our version, is that the question is, if you have a besula, a woman who, uh, she is a virgin, she still has her hymen, and that it's still uh and she became pregnant. This woman became pregnant. This uh, strange, uh, not very highly uncommon situation where she became pregnant even though she still has what we call the Dan Basulam her hymen. So could she marry a Kohen Gadol? A Kohen Gadol is the high priest. The high priest, the law is that the high priest has to marry somebody who never had relations before. They never had sexual relations before. So this woman became pregnant, and she's claiming that she she uh, she never had relations before. So could she marry this Kohen Gadol or not? So the concern is that, well, how did she become pregnant? And it could be one of two ways. Like is going to say it's one of two ways in which she became pregnant. Either she became pregnant through marital, through sexual relations, uh, but somehow they did it in a way where she kept her Dam Basulim, her hymen, uh, that's that's one option. And then the second option is that she just became pregnant, what they say is through an ambacha. An ambacha is through the bathhouse. That first a man went into the bathhouse and uh, released semen, and then that semen, that zera, went into the woman's body, but she never had actual uh, sexual relations. And then if that's the case, if you take the second option, so then she is permissible to marry, it is permissible for her to marry the Kohen Gadol. And that's the question of the Gemara. Is she permissible to marry the Kohen Gadol or not? Do we assume that she had relations? Again, this is a difficult situation. Uh, it's, not, it's, uh, it's not, it's a very unusual situation where she becomes pregnant, yet she, she still has her Dam Basulam. She still has the Hymen. So the question is, what, what are these two rare scenarios? These are both very rare scenarios. Which one do we assume took place? So the Gemara says, Micha, Shemuel, are we concerned for Shemuel, the Amr Shemuel? Turning the page to 15a1. Shmuel says on top of Tezvah Menalef, 
Shmuel says that he is able to have uh, relations uh, with a besula, with a virgin, without rupturing the hymen and causing the blood to flow from it. He's able to do that. Or do we say that, no, that's not so common? And if it's not so common, so then we assume that she became pregnant through the bathhouse, through the bathtub that uh, the semen just went into her and then she would be permissible. Which one do we assume? Which one is more likely? So Amr Ben Zoma, they asked the question to Ben Zoma, Ben Zoma replies, The case of Shmuel seemingly is less common between the two. If I had to pick between the two, it's less common that she became pregnant and and uh, through sexual relations, and she still has her hymens. Rather, Rather, it must be that it came through the bath, the bathtub, and since she didn't have relations, therefore she is permissible to the Kohen Gadol. The Gemara then asks, based on this, they have one last question. They say, it is really true um, that... Uh, that she become pregnant through this, but that if it came through the bathhouse, so then Shmuel says that a seminal mission that doesn't shoot out like an arrow, so then that cannot cause a woman to become pregnant. So how did this make this woman? How did it make this woman pregnant? So the Gemara answers no. As long as originally it, uh, the seminal mission came out through, like uh, it was shot out like an arrow. So then it is permissible, even if it doesn't go directly into her body right away, but even if it uh, stays in the bathtub and then it eventually goes into her body, so then that still will be able to make her pregnant. But in the end of the day, the way, the way we understand this uh, version of the Gemara, it's, uh, it's a discussion about whether or not she's permissible to the Kohen Gadol, and the conclusion is that she is permissible to the Kohen Gadol because we assume that she did not have... Uh, sexual relations. She just became pregnant when she went into the bathtub after a man was in the bathtub and had a seminal emission. Okay, that is one version of the Gemara. Just to point out, parenthetically, we're not going to get into the details here, but there is a big discussion just about this case, about the case of um, becoming pregnant through the bathhouse. This is really modern-day terms in terms of just the halachic applications that apply to becoming pregnant through in, in the bathtub is also the same the same halachic ramifications that apply in those cases would apply in a case of in, in vitro fertilization, IVF, that uh, it's also not done through uh, sexual relations. And so there's a big discussion if a woman becomes pregnant through the bathtub, so then who is the father? Is the, fa- is, is the, fa- is the father... Uh, the one that had that seminal mission, or do we say that, no, in order to become the father, you have to have a relations with, uh, marital sexual relations with the woman. How do you determine the father? Um, that is that is a big, big discussion, and that would have major, major ramifications with regards to IVF, in vitro fertilization. So this is just a, a very big discussion within that, within that uh, context. Um, so that is all one version of... Again, it's a big discussion. We're not going to get into the practical halacha. Another version of the Gemara. So if you go back to the, uh, to the beginning of the Gemara, in Yadalim Beis, it says, Shalul is Ben Zoma. They ask Ben Zoma, not B'sulah Shibra Ma'u L'Koin Gadol. They're not asking about whether or not she's permissible to the Koin Gadol, but just as Mahu, such a woman who, uh, who became pregnant. And we don't know how she became pregnant because she still has her Dam B'sulah and she still has the hymen. So then... 
Do we assume that generally when a woman gives birth, she has what we call Tumas Leda? She, she has an, a halachic impurity after giving birth where she then has to go to the mikvah after she gives birth just because of the fact that she gave birth. And so the question is, does she become, does she have that halachic impurity if she gives birth after, in, in this scenario where she still has the hymen? Because maybe she should be, she shouldn't have this impurity because this impurity only exists if you have, if, if, if it's a child from, from uh, sexual relations. But since this woman might not have uh, had this child through sexual relations, it just happened through uh, going to the bathtub after a man goes there. So then maybe she does not have this impurity where she would then have halachic impurity where she would have to go to the mikvah. So the Gemara says, the same Gemara, I'll turn the page, so what do we say? Do we say what's more common between these two uh, very uncommon scenarios? Which one is more likely? So the Gemara answers, So Ben Zoma says, Shmuel is uncommon. And therefore we assume that she became pregnant by being in the same bathtub as a man. And he, the man had Sheikh Lazar, he had a seminal emission, and that made her pregnant. And so therefore... She does not become Tameh. She does not become halachically impure. She is pure uh, with regards to that particular impurity. And she does not become uh, Tameh. So the Gemara then has it's also that the following question that we just uh, raised. Is it possible for her to become pregnant like this through bath time? So the Gemara answers, yes, it is possible. It is possible. Okay, that's the other version. What's interesting about this version is that it's also a different a uh, halachic topic, also with regards to the discussion of IVF, that um, we say, the, there's another Gemara that says that whether or not a woman becomes, uh, has pure or impure, if she becomes impure after giving birth, that impacts whether or not you're allowed to do a bris milah on Shabbos, that if she does become impure, so then it's your typical case of uh, pregnancy, um, if she does become impure, which is why they explain that according to this this uh, this approach in the Gemara, the only way you can become the way you become impure is only if you have a child through sexual relations, because that's what's normal, or it has to be done specifically with uh, through marital relations, something like that. That's when you become impure, and if that's the case, that's how you become impure. So then, that's the normal way. So then, you we say that if you have a bris mila on the eighth day, specifically on the eighth day, and the eighth day falls on Shabbos, so then we say you can have a bris mila on Shabbos, even though. Uh, to, to do that act, if it wasn't an act of a mitzvah, a bris milah, that would be a violation of Shabbos. But we allow it for Shabbos because it's part of the mitzvah of bris milah. Uh, that itself is, is a discussion. But if she's pure, if she, she does not become impure, this woman, because of different scenarios, why she wouldn't become impure, she would be pure. She wouldn't have this tumah. So then we say that uh, the bris milah would not push aside the violation of Shabbos, we would say that you could, should not do the bris milah, even if it falls out on the eighth day, even if the eighth day falls out on Shabbos, we would say push off the bris milah till Sunday. So there's a big discussion in the post game. What about if a woman becomes pregnant through IVF and they have a child, a boy, and then that boy, the eighth day, it falls out on Shabbos. So do they have a bris on Shabbos or not? Because, well, it depends on whether or not this woman has halachic impurity or not. Uh, do we follow this version of the Gemara or not? And if she d- does have halachic impurity, so then you would uh, have the bris done on Shabbos. The bris would override the laws of Shabbos. 
But if she does not become impure, so then we would say that she does, uh, then the bris would not take place on Shabbos and it would happen on a different day. So that is a second very interesting uh, halachic discussion that comes out of this Gemara. Again, the first one was about just about IVF uh, because it relates to the case of the bathtub and uh, because she becomes pregnant not through regular uh, sexual relations. So then there's a whole discussion about who is who is the father? Is the father the one who is the donor? The, um, and uh, with regard, and then the second discussion is about if you if uh, you give birth, if a woman gives birth through IVF, then does she become impure or not? And if she does not become impure, if she's pure, so then the bris milah, if, even if it falls out on the even if the eighth day falls out on Shabbos, it would not take place on Shabbos. It would have to take place on Sunday, which itself is a big discussion. Both of these discussions are are a lot. There's a lot more to talk about. Okay, the Gemara goes on. Tanarabanan. They now quote another story about Benzoma. We just had two questions that were asked to Benzoma. One was on this recording, the other one was in the last recording. Now we have a story involving Benzoma. Tanarabanan, Maisib Rabbi Yeshua ben Chanina. Rabbi Yeshua ben Chanina was standing, Shaya Omer Agal Bar Habayis. He was standing by Har Habayis on the Temple Mount. And he saw Benzoma, who was much younger, and he did not stand up for Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania, he didn't stand up for Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania. So Amar Lo, so Rabbi Yeshua said to him, "Me Ainulayin ben Zoma, what are you? What's going on in your head? Where are you going to? Where are you coming from? You must be distracted for the fact that you didn't stand up for me." Ben Zoma was was younger than Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania, so what's going on in your head? He didn't rebuke him, but he just was wanted to know what's uh, what are you distracted with. So Amar Lo, Ben Zoma said to him, "This is what I'm distracted by." Sofa Yisi ben Maim Leliyonu Lamaima Tachtonim. I was uh, looking into the space. Again, we're discussing the. He was the one that went into the orchard. He was. He gets involved in these uh, esoteric ideas. He was surviving. He was. He was looking into the space between the upper waters and the lower waters, and he came to the following conclusion: There's only three finger breasts of a, of a space between the two. As it says, because the verse says, when it comes to the first day of creation, it says that the breath of Hashem. Hovered over the surface of the waters. What does it mean that it hovered over? It hovers, hovers over like a dove hovers over her young in the nest and doesn't actually touch it, but it gets very close. So it's three hand breaths away. Finger breaths, sorry, away. So Amr Lan Rabbi Shua says later, he says to the students, If you remember Benzoma, he was one of the four that went into the orchard, into the parties. And how did he come out? He came out, Ben um, Azai died. Benzoma, he. He just, he didn't die, but mentally he just completely lost it. And so Rabbi Shua says, it must be that Benzoma is still on the outside. He's still uh, flawed uh, in his in his thinking, in his way of thinking. He must, uh, he must still be uh, very much uh, just out of it from that whole experience. How do I know this? He says, because that verse that he quoted about the fact that the breath of Hashem is hovering over the water, that was Bayom Rishon, that took place on the first day of creation. But the division between the waters, that only took place on the second day. So how could he, what he's, he's mentioning the distance between the different waters, the upper waters and lower waters, that only took place on the second day, and he's quoting a verse from the first day. It uh, doesn't make any sense. As it says, the verse says that Hashem separated between the two waters, that took place on the second day, not on the first day. So how could Ben Zoma quote a verse from the first day to prove the, or to show that there's a very small distance between the upper waters and the lower waters, 
It has nothing. That was even before there was even a division between the higher waters and the lower waters. So this story just uh, continues to prove that Benzoma, after he came out from the orchard, was uh, continued to be uh, mentally uh, not with it, not within reality. Digmar then asks the comma, but in fact, how much is the difference between the upper waters and the lower waters? Whatever these upper waters are referring to, what is the distance between these two, the upper waters and the lower waters? So we're going to see it's also it's. Uh, it's even smaller than what Ben uh, Benzoma said. It's less than three fingers' breadth. Amar Vacha Yaakov Kamali Nima. The first opinion says it's a hair's breadth, just that small. Whatever these mean, this is esoteric ideas, whatever that means. No, it's even smaller than that. It's like the space when you have put a bridge and you would put one plank next to another one, so you, you hardly have any space in between. So it's that amount of space that you have from one plank to the other. That's the space between the lower waters and the upper waters. That's opinion number two. We're going to have four uh, explanations in total. The third explanation is when you have two garments that are on top of each other, so there's a very small distance between the two. That's the distance between the lower waters and the upper waters. The Amri law, finally, some say the fourth explanation is even smaller than that. It's like two cups, one stacked inside the other. It's a very, very small distance. Whatever it's referring to, but it's a, it's a very, very small distance. And that that concludes the story with Ben uh, Benzoma. So we had, in the orchard, we had Ben Azai, who died. We had Benzoma, who uh, completely lost it mentally after coming out of the orchard. Then we had Acher. Acher was number three, who is the other, who is Elisha Ben Avuya, who became the other. And the fourth one was Rabbi Akiva. And a lot of what we're going to be discussing in our next recordings is the whole story about Acher. Acher was Elisha ben Avuya. He was a Torah scholar. And he left, uh, he left the fold. And there's a, so whole, all these stories about why did he leave and after he left, what happened about with regards to the ability to do tshuva, to repent, or was he able to repent or not. And there's a lot of stories with regards to this person, Acher, the other, which we'll discuss in future in the future recordings of this week.